Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware as never before of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news. So our journalists and all who work in the media are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are, of course, here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. May I welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this the 10th Sunday after Trinity. We're delighted that you're able to join us online for this podcast. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God, 
Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, and grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. O God, make speed to save us. and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, and
The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 30, beginning at the 8th verse. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come for ever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, Because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the hearth, or to take water withal out of the pit. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. But he said, No, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee. And we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee. Till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain. And as an ensign on an hill. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. This is the word of the Lord.
The New Testament lesson is written in the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. For, as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you, and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had notice before, that the same might be ready, as a matter of bounty, and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth for ever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In case you didn't like that motorbike behind me, I'm going to do the last three sentences. I'll do the last paragraph. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. mercy upon us. O Lord, save the Queen. ministers with righteousness.
Give peace in our time, O Lord. clean our hearts within us. Let thy merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of thy humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions Make them to ask such things as shall please thee, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, Give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the chapter from Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians that we've heard this evening, we see Paul's persuasive fundraising techniques laid bare. He had boasted to the Macedonians how eager the Corinthians were to send support to Jerusalem. Now he warns the Corinthians that it won't look good if some Macedonians accompany him to Corinth and find that their fundraising is not well advanced. There's clearly some peer pressure at work here. As the theologian E.P. Saunders notes, Despite this rather coercive argument, Paul insists that each must give as you make up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul encourages the Corinthians to recognise that God has provided them with material benefits in order that they may share them with others. God will bestow gifts on them, and their contribution to the saints will constitute, will constitute thanksgiving to God and glorification of him. Paul says that through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. In these passages then, Paul makes clear that sharing what we have received is a matter of obedience. I find this challenging. I recognise my lack of generosity and I question the extent to which I'm obedient to the gospel of Christ. It's useful to reflect on that notion of obedience, I think, because it's so often misunderstood. Religious obedience does not imply any kind of diminishing subservience. In explaining what it is, it's useful to introduce another countercultural idea, namely that Christian conviction, indeed celebration, of our dependence on God. Christianity rejects the idea of a self-curated identity and also of any ultimate material security. We are infinitely precious, but we are in ourselves incomplete because we're made for relation. We become more fully human, more fully alive and more fully what God calls us to be through relationships shaped by God's commandments. That's what obedience points to. It's a call to fullness of life and to the acceptance of inevitable vulnerability that goes with it. And that fullness is in no way dependent on our material comfort and security. Indeed, they can easily become a barrier to it. Eric Varden, former abbot of the Mount St. Bernard Abbey, in Leicestershire, comments on the nature of religious obedience. He says, Our vow of obedience is above all about how we obey Christ's commandments. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Honour everyone. Never do to another 
what you do not want done to yourself. Visit the sick, console the sorrowing, do not repay a bad turn, love your enemies. If we do not obey these passages of the rule and others like them, taken straight from the gospel, it will profit us little if at the last we protest that we have never spoken a word after Compline. Compline, of course, being the last office of the monastic day that ushers in the great silence. What Varden makes clear here is that obedience has nothing to do with the external rubrics of religious life. Of course, is what Jesus objected to so strongly amongst the religious authorities. They cared only for outward observance of religious obligations. Paul's call to obedience then is a call to live in ways that run contrary to secular norms, to live in ways that Christ modelled, and of which, of course, in his case, ultimately led to his death. The point is this, Paul says, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You can understand this in financial terms, of course, and the parable of the talents provides an obvious illustration, contrasting the servants who were praised for investing their Lord's money with the one who buried it in a hole in the ground. Our decisions about money reflect our broader convictions, though. It's not only in the financial sphere of our lives where we have to learn to tolerate some element of risk. Our relationships involve a degree of jeopardy, particularly when we expand our regard beyond the boundaries of our friends and families towards those at the margins of society. We understand that to love another carries an inevitable possibility, indeed likelihood, of hurt. If we didn't care, we wouldn't feel that hurt. When we look to Christ's example and to his teaching, though, we see an acceptance of an entirely different order of vulnerability. As we walk this path, the encouragement of others and even a little peer pressure is hugely significant. Our personal prayer lives are crucial but so too is our gathering and sharing in worship with others. I'll end with a quotation from the Pilgrim Prayer Book of Gilbert Shaw, where we see his petition to be drawn into a love that is at once joyful and costly. Jesus, my love, my God, Breathe into me the desire of loving thee only before all things, before myself. Let it be my joy that thou reignest the eternal, that thou art all perfection, that all things are thine, that I am thine. In thy heart hide me, that I may share thy grief, 
and loving learn to love thee. Give me but one desire, one task, one end, just to love thee, Jesus, my Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, transform the poverty of our faith by the riches of your grace. May your church be an instrument of blessing and release. We pray for Alison, our rector, for Sarah, our bishop, and for the leaders of all your holy churches. 
Amongst them we pray today for the Anglican province of Alexandria and for Sami Fauzi, Archbishop and Bishop of Egypt, for the church in Espoo in Finland and for its Bishop Kaisimara Hintika. In our own diocese we pray for the Barnet Deanery Synod. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, we pray for all who take counsel for nations, for governments, and for all whose decisions affect the lives of others. May justice and righteousness pro prosper. We pray especially for our Queen and for our government. And we continue to pray for peace in Ukraine and for journalists in that land and elsewhere in the world where they are at risk in the course of their work. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, you refresh the face of the earth and the lives of your people. Pour out your spirit on all in need of renewal. Restore in us your loving mercy. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, you know us before our birth and hold us through all our days. Be with all whose spirits are weak and who seek to be set free from their ailments. We remember especially those in our parish community who are in need at this time. We pray for all who suffer in body, mind or spirit. Bring us to rejoice in the wonders of your healing touch. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Holy God, you judge the hearts of all with truth and mercy. Look with compassion on those who have died. We remember before you all the recently departed and those whose years mind comes at this time. May our praise be always of you and our hope in your saving love. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen.
The peace of God which passeth all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.